My family and I, when we came, and dad and my brother, we absolutely broke and don't speak English. That's 37 years ago. Really? This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. So late last summer, somehow I got my hands on a 25-pound box of fresh Washington tomatoes. They were amazing. And on the side of the box, it said Imperial's Garden. I didn't know who Imperial's Garden was, but right away I wanted to know what's their story? Who are these people? Fast forward to the spring just a few weeks ago, and I heard from Rosella Mosby on social media. She was at Imperial's Garden talking with Manuel Imperial. And so I had to text her and say, hey, uh, who, is, who are these people? Do you know them well? And she said, very much so. They're awesome. You've got to have them on the podcast. She said, give Manuel a call and tell him that Rosella says he's got to be on the podcast. So we made it happen. He agreed to it. As soon as I could get it on my schedule, I went out there and visited. And wow, what a story. Something that I never expected as far as the backstory of the family that Manuel is a part of and how they built the farm that they have and all the things that they grow and all the wisdom that he has to share about our food system and the chain, as he describes at one point, the chain that's broken. Uh, You're really going to enjoy this conversation. You're going to get to know a lot. And we have a lot of laughs along the way, too, with Manuel Imperial of Imperial's Garden, again, in Wapato, here on the Real Food, Real People podcast where we are sponsored by the Dairy Farmers of Washington. WaDairy.org is their website, and we would love for you to check them out online. And they're inspiring the desire for real local dairy. That's what they do. And uh, you can check out a full virtual farm tour uh, of Washington State dairies on their website, WaDairy.org. Also, Mana Insurance Group, helping you prepare for your future and protect your future financially, not just picking up the pieces when things go wrong but making sure you have a plan in place to protect your financial future and your family's financial future. Washington Red Raspberries also supporting the podcast. We appreciate their uh, support for what we're doing. And we should also mention Williams, who has supported the podcast with a, a community grant to uh, help us do what we do here. So without further ado, let's sit down and hear from Manuel Imperial. We go to Wapato, Washington, and Imperial's Gardens. So here we are on the farm in the middle of work day. What's going on around us right now? Explain. It's busy day. It's always we're busy this time of year. Uh, spring, we're doing a lot of planting you know, uh, cultivating and we're harvesting asparagus. So you'll see a lot of plants all around us and you see some few tractors moving around in and out, so. And you guys are packing asparagus right behind us over there, right? Yeah, we, uh, we started asparagus about April 15th. Um, this is about, we're about a month, you know, we're packing asparagus and um, it's a daily thing for another may hopefully another month then we call it good so how does that work people in the field cut the asparagus so and put it in bins or what's the process yeah the the process is most of the guys started at 4 4 30 in the morning um depends on the weather if it's colder 
during the day we start a little bit later but if it's like been the last few days it's been nice you know between 75 to 80 degrees they starting early yes they pick them put them in their bucket and then they drop them on those uh, yellow tubs then we have drivers to go pick them up uh, from groups uh, mm -hmm. because they basically by groups they pay we pay them piecework um, we, we they came in we weigh it for individuals and my drivers take notes we hydrocall them on the, the side they get cooled off put them in the cooler and then we pack them hydrocall it again and then ready to ship so it's like rinsing them with water to cool them down yes sir and that probably helps them stay fresh longer right yeah so it's Asparagus, you gotta get the heat out, or else they will. Uh, yeah. Asparagus is water, basically. So, when we pick these, we pack them today, ship them all over the United States, uh, wow. Canada, you know, all that stuff. We're loading today, going to back to LA. Uh, so they go everywhere. So you wanna get, make sure you get the heat out, keep them at between 35, 36 degrees, and they'll they'll stay for a while. So where does your asparagus, you, you talked about all the different places it goes to, where can somebody find your asparagus? How do they know it's from you? Usually you see my label, says Imperial's Garden. Uh, you, you find them from almost all the stores in the Northwest. Hmm. Um, we do a lot with the, the smaller chain, uh, like Super Ones, uh, Yolks, you know, Rosars. Mm. Fred Myers and all those guys. Uh, but when we get into the season, like the beds, like corn, tomatoes, and all that stuff, all of them we, we sell to. Uh, mm. So they go mainly northwest, but most of the asparagus go to back east that I grow. Hmm. Where else is asparagus grown? I know a lot is grown around here, but where else do they do it? I heard that, that they used to grow a lot in California, but they don't anymore. California is maybe less than a thousand acres left. Hmm. It used to be fifty, sixty thousand. Yeah, they're wow. basically disappeared. Uh, a lot of the asparagus now is coming out Mexico and Peru. Uh, hmm. Peru is really he heavy on them. Uh, Mexico, they almost, I'll say, nine months out of year now. It used to be the only seasonal, so they're pu pushing their season a little bit longer, and it's causing local asparagus grower really uh, the headaches basically uh, mm. because they get when you bump in with them you can't really compete with them uh, why is that why can't you can compete with that asparagus a good example is Mexico pay a day per worker we pay by pound per worker so if you pay X amount of money here and they're paying say $12 a day there and I'm well, paying that's it that's it 12 to 15 bucks max. And plus, they have unlimited resource of workers. In Yakima, Washington, we have short workers. You beg for them to come and work. Hmm. You know, that's a big difference. And, and people in Mexico are making $12 a day. How much can your workers make doing, you know, picking asparagus or working in asparagus here? Well, I gotta go to my calculation on my head. <laughs> Average, say, 350, 400 pounds, maybe 500 pounds a day. I need to look. Mm -hmm. 
you, you, you probably about average two hundred to three hundred dollars a day. So more, like uh, it, twenty times as much money. Oh, it's unthinkable. So that's why we're saying. I mean, when when the grocery store is selling all this for six seven months, less when we come in as locally, it's like a shock. I mean, it's like, wow, it's a big difference. Uh, and I don't know as a farmer if there's an answer, but there should be a a a, a difference locally. I mean. You ask me where the washing, I mean, asparagus grown in states. California used to be heavy. Us used to be heavy. I mean, in Yakima and Tri Cities and the Walla Walla County, I'll say used to be, say, 10, 15 years ago, about 15, 16,000 acres. Maybe about four or five now. Michigan, used Grand Rapid area, they grow asparagus. Mm -hmm. New Jersey grow a lot of them too. You know, and and that's why local growers were whining and complaining because we can't compete with Mexico or Peru. It's crazy to think about that that can be grown so much cheaper that far away and then hauled here. Far away with all the logistic now. If I'm the buyer, I can buy asparagus in Mexico in three, say, three to five days, it'll be here. Wow. It's fast. It's not what people think. So what do the stores and the food companies say then when you come in? They're like, yeah, nah, we, we don't want to do that price. We can get it cheaper in Peru. It happened a lot. It happened more than what people think. But local stores they still support us mm -hmm. but we gotta ask the consumer that there's gonna be a shock when local comes it's, it's a shock on the price because it, yeah. it will dictate local price compared to the the Mexico for real price I mean because it, it, this is just uh, the labor it just costs us so much what's the difference in the product would you say is your asparagus better it's always better locally because you're, you're if, like I told you, four to five days transportation by the time they pick it, you're about 10 days out, right? Mm -hmm. So asparagus is one of those things, every day you lose the freshness of the product, yep. every day. Yep. Asparagus, cherries, or anything that you grow. Because yep. the farther they travel, the farther you lose, it's called, de de they get dehydrated. Mm -hmm. um, but the asparagus that you locally, they're always sweeter. And we do all the food safety stuff too. That you know this stuff, it's good for you. Mm -hmm. It's not like we just grow them and throw them in there and just start coming up every day. Do they follow those rules though in, in Peru or Mexico or wherever I've never been on the farm down there, so I cannot tell you. I mean, every country has separate rules, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, yes, they can ban them maybe. I don't know. I can't say or nay. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to, you know. I think it's the only thing I know that they have advantage than us. They have unlimited workers. They pay 12 to $15 a day. I got a fight with my orchard neighbors, my hop neighbors, and you know, my farm, row crop farming in United States or in the state of Washington is probably one of the hardest farm that you cross to. Yeah. 
it's a, it's a non-stop work. It's quiet here, you see right now, but if you come here July 10th <laughs> through September, it's like a zoo. Yeah. Uh, this place is full of with watermelon. That place is full of corn, tomatoes, bell pepper. I mean, we feed a lot of people, a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people don't really realize that when we, as a farmer, row crop growers, we don't get a lot of, what's that called, respect, I guess? Mm-hmm. Or we don't even exist sometimes. If you look, people think that the, the farm orchard, hops, cherries, apples, they promote those things so heavy. But if you go to the stores, 60, 70% of the product you see, it's in my farm. You gotta have my tomatoes, you gotta have my corn, you gotta have my, all the stuff. The thing is, it takes a lot of people to pick it. Yeah. This year, a lot of my big account, they tell me to get, be a, what is, what's the words, uh, be efficient. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you gonna be, be efficient picking asparagus? You gotta pick them every day. And you're only talking about a 200 acres. We're not like 10,000 acres that you can buy a machine that you can, right. you can do it robotically. We don't have that kind of money like a lot of the warehouses have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we need people. And plus, we're employing people locally, you know, that they just want to try to make a living. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that's what the, the key is. We just try to make a living. The goal is we want to feed a lot of people in the Northwest, good produce and I'm a proud American farmer uh, I mean how many people you can say that 37 years ago I walk into this valley and become a farmer I don't know nothing I almost say the bad words but I don't want to say that but <laughs> I, I mean my family and I when we came and dad and my brother we absolutely broke and don't speak English that's 37 years ago really no. So how did that happen? Where did you start? And you, you didn't have any farming background? Well, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Uh, if you have a few minutes, I will explain it to you. So my uncle that emigrated in the 50s, mm-hmm. he's the first of my mom's brother came to the United States. From the Philippines? From the Philippines in the 50s. In the 50s, they asked Filipinos to go work in Hawaii, sugar cane. Mm. So then... Years gone by, in the mid-60s, my uncle moved to Wapato, and he started farming 80 acres, I believe, mm-hmm. in the late 60s. And then the uncle brought a few brothers, and my mom decided to stay. My mom then had nine kids. In 1967, 68, my mom had a chance to come to the United States, and she said, no, I'm not going to leave my nine kids. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Little Manuel showed up. So I'm the tenth kids of the you're family. The, you're the youngest? I'm the youngest of all of them, and I got the biggest mother of all of them. <laughs> so that's the... So all that scenario, mom and dad said they was, I never was born, but hell, I'm here. <laughs> so if they came in 1968, 67 era, been a long time. So my uncle farmed for all those years, and then... Our paper, our immigration paper, reopened in 1981-82. So we finally came in in July 24, 1983. Mm. Mom and dad and three brothers, 
and a sister. So we landed on the old, on lateral one and lateral A, my uncle, old fruit stand. We showed up in Yakima, Bali, and 19, that July 23, yeah. at around 8 o'clock p.m. At 5 o'clock the next day, we're picking corn. <laughs> Welcome to America. <laughs> wow. Six, five o'clock. And we're transitioning from new sleep from the airplane and exciting yeah. to get to America. That's yeah. supposed to be you just can pick up dollar sign in the street. <laughs> right. <laughs> picking corn the next day at five o'clock. That's hard work. It's hard work. But, you know, we never complain because we knew that there is opportunity here. Um, you asked me if we have a background. My dad grew tobacco and rice in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. But it's small. We're talking about a couple hectares. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 10 hectares max. Yeah. You know, when we arrive here, we, we, we don't speak English. Mm. A little bit, you know, we get by. But my uncles kind of have a foundation, kind of direct us. We worked for him for a year. Then we went to another uncle for another year. And then we start Imperial's Garden in 1985. Wow. 40 acres. That's when we start. Uh, my brother, sister, and one guy that helped us in kind of till the ground from the beginning to the end, and that's how we start the Imperial's Garden. How old were you when you came here to the um, U.S.? Shoot, that's uh, I'm 52, and I'm 22 years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 22 going 52, uh, so that's for me. I was 13 and a half. What, what did that feel like? What, what was it like coming here? I told you, it's like when we're in the plane, when we know that we're coming to the United States, because we watch Wonder Woman and Bionic <laughs> Man and all that stuff, you come to the United States and just pick up dollars in the tree. You never work. That's, you know, because yeah. what you see in te television and what's real is different. Yeah. Then we got to... Wide awakening when we go pick corn the next day. Yeah. Um, so we re realize it's different. Yeah. Um, but we adjust. Uh, my my mom dad told us you know there's always going to be a better way you know if you start working, work hard and just be be consistent. Because um, it's always when you work hard and you don't complain it's always paid off. Uh, most people complain now and they think they're going to become a millionaire after college, but you got to, like I told my son and my daughter, my daughter graduated Oregon State. I told her, you got to stay focused in your job. Don't complain. It's just work hard. Sooner or later, someone will see you and they'll, you'll get paid. Mm -hmm. Because you got a degree, you think you work a lot of money, but you don't. Mm. You know, you don't really know anything yet. You know, and, and that's kind of the example that I got from my dad and mom and my uncles that we work hard. Uh, I mean, like I told you, when we worked that 40 acres, I mean, 5 o'clock to until you can't see your neighbor every day. <laughs> I mean, 37 years later, I'm still doing it. I thought 10, 11 years ago when we finally saved a lot more money to build this warehouse that we're we in, yeah. that my life's going to get easier. <laughs> then we, we tackle more stores, we tackle more ground. Now it's just like I don't sleep. Uh, but I love, you know, my family love farming. It's not only us now. I have 200 to 400 families that 
they're like my family, my mm. sister, my brothers. I eat with them. I cook them dinner when we have overtime shift. We'd all do that stuff. Uh, and they become like us. Uh, what? Because I'm an owner or my sister an owner, if you look on the packing line over there, my brother, my sister, they're, they're packing with the workers. We just don't walk around. They call me, I don't work anymore because I'm in the office, but I do. Uh, as soon as I get all my stuff in the morning and then I go help. Um, so there's five of us at the farm. Uh, four brothers and a sister, and then three of my sisters still come and help us after their job outside. All of us have our own separate duties. We all the same equally, the same ownership. So, you know, everybody's a cheap sometimes, especially family. Yeah. We all kind of cheap, but like I said earlier, I'm the youngest, I'm the boss. <laughs> I can what, run. What do your older brothers and sisters think of that? You can't say anything because I can run faster than them. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like I said, I got the biggest mud of all of them. And, it, you know, it's. Farming, this kind of farming, Dylan, it's different than just a backyard farming or wheat farming or potato farming yeah. or even apple farming. The closest to this kind of farming, maybe cherries, but not even. Mm -hmm. When you have about 50 different variety of produce. 50 different things? Or more. And we're talking about 2,000 acres. That warehouse, if you see there's asparagus that came in, tomorrow it's gone. Mm -hmm. It don't matter what product is, either corn, tomatoes, bell peppers. We pick them, we hydrocool them, we pack them, it's, trucks are waiting to deliver to the, to the customer. That is the beauty of this farm because when you live in Seattle, you can go to Kroger, Walmart, or Winco. That product usually two days. It's because from they pick it up here to go to their warehouse, it's in their store. And you can't do that with Mexico or Peru. You yeah. can't. You know, you can't. Uh, that's how the, the, the farm works. So I do, I dealt with the, like this, and then my brothers deal the, with, with the workers. My other brother do the tractor driving and all the harvesting, and my brother do all this packing, food safety, and my sister hold the check. <laughs> so that's how yeah. the, the, the farm kind of strikes Yeah. Why do you do it? You, you say you love it. Why? Somebody got to grow produce for you guys. Some yeah. people got to, somebody's going to grow food for Americans. Remember, there's 330 million Americans. That's what they say. But I'll bet you there'll probably 360 million. <laughs> You look around California, their vegetable grower is disappearing. Yeah. Georgia, Florida, Michigan's, all these called row crop growers states, yeah. they're disappearing. Like you said that about California, like their asparagus is almost gone from what it used to be. Why, why is that and why is it changing in all these different places? Regulations, fries. They can't compete. Hmm. You know, they can't compete. Cukes used to be California's the biggest cukes growers in the nation. Mm -hmm. 
I'll bet you they don't even have a 500 acres left. They can't compete. Beans, no, nobody grow down there green beans. Mm. Bell pe bell pe tomatoes, it's dying down. B bell pepper, it's getting to the point that a lot of these growers like myself disappearing because we cannot compete. South, there is no way. And we've been begging to, it should be a provision for our U.S. government that say, hey, when locals start, because we can't grow all year long like Mexico right. or Peru. Right. California, some of the part of the California maybe, yeah. but even them, they can't. Yeah. There should be a provision when locals start, they should be cut off. I don't know if that's possible yeah. or not. Well, a lot of people say they want locally grown food or, you know, food grown close to home or f food grown in the U.S., but it's going the other direction. There seems to be less and less of that. So what, what changes that? I mean, c some consumers would say they would pay even more for their food, but does that not actually happen at the store? Yes and no, but stores is there for business too. And then remember, there's six major stores in the United States, maybe eight. Mm -hmm. But they compete each other. So, you know, it's, a, it's America. You can't tell what one store do and whatever. So when, when you say a good example from January to say March, when you're seeing you go to the store, you're only paying 99 cents or $1.29 on asparagus. It suddenly locally come up with $3.99. A consumer say, what the heck, what happened? Most consumers don't really know what's going on. But they need to realize that, like at the beginning of our discussion, from $12 to $15 an hour difference. Mm -hmm. That's different. Plus, also, over 12, there... $12 a day to $15, to $15 an hour is different. Yeah. Plus, the, with unlimited supply of employees, to compare to you begging them to come and work for you. Americans don't work 90 degrees to 110 degrees outside. Yeah. Rare that you see except us. Yeah. Where are the Los Mohicans that want to do that? <laughs> well, you grew up used to that because you grew up in the Philippines. There's it's the, hot there. There's the words for you. You used to do that. I'll bet you, I always joke around with my friends, people that say, how do you do it? And you said, you asked me, why do I love it? Because there's only few people left. That's why I made the reference, the 330 million people. Yeah. If we don't wake up as American, seriously, no food. There's a million, they say there's a million row crop, I mean farmers in the United States, a million. Mm -hmm. You do your math, mm -hmm. a million to a 330 million, mm -hmm. think about that. And the next generation, I'm 52 years old, my son would not come back here. My daughter, fully, uh, how are you going to convince a kid to come in the farm work 12, 16 hours a day for, for 50 years and no retirement and all that stuff? Yeah, we got all this building and everything, but you know what? I'm American, owned all by the bank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of people not in the farm business, they think I'm rich because all this building, you know what? Call my banker. <laughs> It's like I'm in the United States of America. Yeah. Deficit. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just the way it is. We mm. just try to survive every year. Um, 
but I hope with with your help, you know what you guys are doing. I think we can bring the awareness of people in the United States that hey, we need people, we need farmers. What would it take for your kids to come back and and continue on the farm? What would convince them to do that? What would have to change? The the thing that I see if the change is need to be changed to protect farmers in America. Hmm. It don't matter me, my kids, even my neighbors or the next neighbor state or whatever. They gotta have incentive to come back. Yeah. The future of American farming, it's you can't convince a kid to come in a farm. It don't matter my kids or the future. We're not talking about farming in anymore in America. There's there's three types of farm in America, Dylan. You have the wheat farmer. Those you can put a fifty foot John Deere, <laughs> yeah. you plant it, you go fishing, you come back in three months, you pick it, and you go fishing again. That's, that's a wheat farmer. Potato grower, kind of the same, but they got to spray once in a while, so they got to be here. <laughs> Apple guys, they got to thin here and there. It's different. Cherries, yeah. they got that two, three weeks. They got to yep. go full blast, and they're done. Yep. Hops, a month at the front and a month in the back. Yep. There we come. Roll crop grower. Since no frost from March to October 31st, that's when we work. 12 to 14 hours a day, except Sunday. Hmm. We're, we refuse to work on Sunday. Hmm. That's the only day that we stay off and try to get our workers to a break and on that. So all of us work basically six days a week. Um, average 12 hours a day. So that many hours a day, what do you think about this overtime situation here in, in Washington State where the state is saying people working on farms are no longer exempt like they used to be for 60 years from getting time and a half? What do you think about that? That's what, it's a, it's a big uh, blow for the row crop growers like myself um, mm-hmm. because I think I referenced earlier most of this, like a zucchini, uh, asparagus. When it's 75 to 82 degrees, that's asparagus. From this to that, you know, we got to pick them. Uh, there's not enough workers. Uh, the store don't want us to pay more. So what's the choice of a farmer do? Either you cut those crops that it's, you know, more labor intense. Mm-hmm then you'll see no local asparagus. Mm-hmm. We're talking, uh, I mean, uh, we're, uh, we're about 250 acres of asparagus. Well, I'm not talking the five, 10 acres of asparagus. I'm talking right. about the, the size of like us. Right. Where can I find the people to pick this or pay them time and a half? Like I told you, we work 12 hours a day, yeah. average. The people in the field is longer because they, they're peace work. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope the government will figure it out uh, because or else you're losing a lot of like us, like me, mm. um, because we got no choice. Then we can only grow the stuff that we know that we can be on that, specifically that time frame. So you would quit doing some things or quit farming altogether if it, it doesn't work? I, mean, I don't quit because I'm not a quitter, Yeah. Uh, but we'll readjust, uh, we'll, uh, you know, we got to figure it out. 
if you can't pick it, then you reduce it to where you can pick it. Yeah. And then, you know, then less when you, instead of growing, say, 40,000 pounds of asparagus a day, we may go to 20,000 pounds of asparagus a day. Because there's only X amount of people will, we have, mm-hmm. you know. What about the workers, though? Don't they like the overtime? Isn't that a good thing for them? Dylan, I've been doing this for 36 years. I'm actually the one that can say I'm experienced 36 years. From one employees to, say, 400 employees. I never cross any of my employees they complain because they work long hours. And they, you can ask them. You can, I can bring all of them, line them up without no questions, no free questions. You can ask them. Because they're here to work. They're here to make money. And a lot of people that think that it's about time farmers need to pay overtime, we always want to pay them more. Please give us more than then you tell to Kroger and Walmart and Winco and <laughs> Safeway Albertson to pay the grower more. We're not like Boeing and, or Amazon that they can just charge you 10 cents. Look, Bill Bates, you make trillions. We make nothing. And we're the one that's more important people for your food. Yeah. I always believe, this is what I believe in my family. We believe that if there's money more to, to share with the grower, I mean with my worker, we share. I pay them a lot of money. We do. I mean, why do you think I keep my employees? Like so, I, so then why is overtime bad? Can you just pay them overtime? You pay overtime, you pay in a half, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're 12 hours a day, eight hours, that's four hours. Basically, if I say I have a payroll of say, I, I'm not sure, say five to six million a year, mm-hmm. now I become eight, seven and a half million a year. Mm-hmm. So where am I going to get that money? Where can I get that money if, say, my box of zucchini is the same price as 10 years ago? Explain that to me. If really, anyone, the, the prices are the same now as they were 10 years ago? I can baby laugh. If any of these government employees or anything that did for overtime or all these things, they need to come to a real farm and see it. Drive around. Look at the apple orchards. The 40, say the 20 acres to say 200 acres, they're gone. I mean, that's how America wants to be lived. Big, you know, big farming, you know, big company, they can absorb the downfall. Yeah. But people like me, I, I don't have that kind of money to, you know, heck, I'm an immigrant. Barely make it. But I never complain. Never ask any money from Uncle Sam unless they gave it for free. <laughs> That's one thing I'm proud of my family. We never did ask. Unless it's free. Well, of course, we got to take it. Yeah. Because we believe that you work hard and it always paid off. I mean, I'm not complaining that we're not, you know, we're not surviving or anything. We'll survive. But what we're asking as a farmer is we need help government, the big chain, all involved with this farming thing, they need to help farmers in the United States. I always believe that 
Our government doesn't help us when we're healthy, but when we're broke, they help us. <laughs> it don't make sense to me. Yeah. That's why I said I'm. You, you, if you not don't borrow any money from the bank, you're not American because I start to believing that if my government trillions of trillions of trillions of dollars in debt, what the heck? What's wrong with me? I can do it too. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean that's. America. I like what you say about helping people when when times are good versus when times are bad. That's something that people have been talking about in healthcare, like preventive medicine versus only treating people when they're sick. It makes sense. Treat people before they get sick should apply to to farming. Farming. Well, they always they, people say, "Oh, you guys get subsidized and all these things." A lot of farmers don't want to be subsidized, but then. The only people get subsidized. It's the commodity product. Hmm. We're not included. Why is that? Because it's it's like rules. Hmm. The government, U.S. government, want to press the price of cheap food. Hmm. It has been that way in America. Yeah. Cheap wheat, cheap bread, cheap eggs, cheap milk, whatever. It's cheap because you're a farmer. You don't deserve anything. If you look. On the industry for across United States, what's the least appealing to anybody in America? You ask me why my kid doesn't want to come back. You think they want to come back work 12, 16 hours a day, and then they married, and the wife work at the bank. He said, "What the hell you're doing? <laughs> Are you that crazy?" <laughs> my point is, there's so many different kind of farming, yeah. and a lot of people don't really understand that and they think that everybody gets subsidized and I understand that I dealt with a lot of my neighbors a lot of farmers we're very independent people yeah where we don't like asking money from government if we don't need to yeah but the government sometimes they, they, they don't help us when we're healthy I mean how, how can they do that what, what would that I mean you're not asking for we don't ask for hand up for money what could they do to help you? Regulate something from the border. Mm. Because you can't compete when you have a border that 12 bucks to 200 bucks an, I mean, a day. I mean, you yeah. can't. There's no way. And they have more. They can grow 365 days a, week, uh, a year over there, and we can't. Yes, we need them. But I think they should be a memorandum or a tariff say, hey, when local start, there's a base price that this is got to be. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I think we need to start looking at that. Look at this pipeline. Hmm. The colonial pipeline, a good example for farmers. Yeah. Do we need to act when we're really there? Or we need to act now when we, like, that's why I always believe Government need to help us when we're healthy, make everything it's working good for your local farmers. Mm-hmm. But don't help us when we're already broken. Then you know when it's everything broken, because <laughs> it's hard yeah. to start. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't matter how big you are. You said earlier regulation was one of the things that makes things hard and is making farming, crop farming, different crops go away from the U.S. How, how does that happen? What kind of regulations and how does that actually make a farm go away? You know, Dylan, when I started in 1985, 
you just go pick and put them on a box and you sell them. <laughs> yeah. When we pick corn for years and years and years, it's the way it is in America. You put them on a gunny sack, you, you bag them and you sell them on, yeah. on the street of the street. Yeah. Now, you make sure you, you time it, when you pick it, where they came from. When your employee wash their hands, it's so many regulation now. I mean, and, and then aren't those things needed though to make sure food is safe? I don't know. Yes, I mean nowadays it's a little different. They don't want you to have a bird flying around here. But how can I regulate that in the field? I mean, when we get food safety, they said that my neighbors have a cow. You can't have that. But that, that's the neighbors. What do you want me to do? Go tell the neighbors to whatever barbecue the cow? <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's because all these regulations, it's, yeah. it's, it's getting harder and harder. A lot of the city folks coming to the rural area, they don't want us to spray. I mean, but they don't want any bugs in their corn. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Those Wh- are which the, one do you want, right? Those are the things that were, it's just challenging, but we still make it. Uh, eight to ten years ago, we got to do the food safety and stuff, and... It takes me a while to adjust, but we adjust it. We have two or three people, just that's all they do. I mean, mm. that's an extra money, but no one wanna, nobody want to pay. Yeah. See, they want all this regulation, but nobody want to pay. Mm. And our government don't even have a regulation as much. Walmart or whatever, go give them regulation and then we follow that. Mm-hmm. Our U.S. government don't really have a food safety program. Yeah. It's crazy, right? So what's going to happen? I go fly a kite. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is farming, food, and, you know, the food that a lot of people think about with when they think of farming is what you do. All these fruits and vegetables. Is that just going to go away? Because fruits and vegetables, you go to the store, they aren't very expensive. No. It's cheap. Compared to some of the more specialty things that will get more money, veggies don't bring in a lot of money. You, you want a really uh, a shocking eye-opening for people, your audience? When you go buy a pumpkin that you don't eat, mm-hmm. you just carve them. Or those three little finger corn, you know, those decoration corn or those... Yeah. Little, those three little corn, usually at the store, two ninety nine or three ninety nine, they cannot eat that corn, but they can throw them on their counter. They were willing to pay that and no ask, no questions. But if you sell them a corn by fifty cents each that they can eat, full size cob, cob, people will complain. Why he's too expensive? That is an example of American. It's crazy the way they've been taught, because an American. Always cheap food. I still get people over, come over our fruit stand say, why your corn is so expensive at three for a dollar? It used to be eight for a dollar. That's mean that guy's been coming to my fruit stand for ages. Yeah. And I told him, do you see the cost of gas now since 1980? <laughs> or two by fours nowadays? Yeah. It, it changed, right? <laughs> yeah. But people in America don't change accordingly by food. There's an article in Yahoo yesterday that there's 2% on food prices. The last, it's the highest ever. They're complaining now because it's 2% up. 
or, or I was laughing. I said, well, finally, somebody's paying, you know, raising these prices. Because the reality, you've got no food. Yeah. You imagine if we shut down, growers like me, the entire United States, there'd be a lot of money. They're going to cost them more. Yeah. Or they just get it cheap from foreign countries, right? No, because most of those foreign countries run by American businesses. Mm-hmm. 99.9%. Mm. They can't go wrong. Big businesses, it's a business. Yeah. The only Maybe way, that's why we, I mean, we hear about the evils of you know, corporate farming, industrial agriculture. There are American companies that do that, but they don't do it here nearly as much as they do it elsewhere. Oh, yeah, they're, they're around. Like I told you, there's what, eight to ten big chain in the United States? Yeah. This big chain only deal maybe ten the same guys and the middle guy, and then like me. They come to us. They come to everybody in Mexico too. Peru. It's the same. It's a small community. Mm-hmm. Now I'm talking to you, they probably like, oh, there's a crazy guy again. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it, you know, it, you asked me earlier why I'm doing it. You know, I'm kind of like, before I forget, I came to the United States with nothing. Well, my family, we have a goal that we're going to make something about us as an immigrant in 1983. I'm 14, my brother's 15, 16, and 18. You know, we're on the, under still the 20 years. We all sit one day and say, we're going to work hard. And we're going to, you know, this is, there's opportunity here. We can make something out of it. My dad said, you guys might not go to college. I went to Wapato High School. I went to YBC for two years. Take social studies three times. I got a D, man. F for twice. (laughs) A social studies. Can't believe it. They gave me tutor. I can't understand the guy, but, but. I did, he doesn't understand me, so it worked both ways, right? But you know what? I, I did, we didn't quit. My yeah. family didn't quit. We, we struggled here and there. Uh, I mean, it, but that's why I told my kids and my nephews and my nieces now, they all went to college. There's 29 of them. Wow. Out of that 10 kids, there's 25 nephews and nieces. Wow. 95% of them finished four-year college. You know, my son is going to graduate at the Air Force Academy here in a few days. My daughter went to Oregon State. My niece is a scientist. Um, and, you know, and the kid that you saw in the office, he grad- the six of them graduated at UW. I mean, that's why I, I don't like people complain when they say there's no, you know, gimme, 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 but they don't want to work. Hmm. You got to get out of the couch and go. Even, I always tell my son, only in the United States that you can be four and four to the poorest, next year you'll be the richest guy in America. Huh. Only place in the world. Yeah. In the Philippines, you can be the smartest guy. You don't go too far. Because hmm. they're fresh here. Here there's opportunity. Hmm. Opportunity. But if you complain, like I told my daughter, you're never going to go anywhere. Hmm. Complainers never make it. Never. So how, I'm trying to think of all the things that you grow here that I know about so far. I mean, we talked about asparagus. We talked about watermelons, corn. Corn, we do 
We do a lot of tomatoes. Tomatoes. That's why my email is Yakima Tomatoes. I like tomatoes. I always believe that it might kind of make me rich someday. <laughs> but I think I lost money so far. Yeah. What else? Uh, all the different kinds of bell, uh, hot peppers. Mm-hmm. All the different kinds of hard squash. The pumpkin. Uh, okra. Mm-hmm. Even okra we grow. You know, when Americans come over here and ask for okra, they came from the south. Yeah. They're only the people that ask them are Asian. Yeah. The Asian uh, beds we grow. Mm. You know, like a lot of the Asian come in looking for their Asian food. Mm-hmm. So, and also we open for uh, you pick. People come over here and pick their own food. Mm. Uh, so we've been around for 36 years. So it's, it's we're really diversified. Uh, yeah. you, you don't see... In uh, Washington State, I'm probably one of the largest row crop diversified growers that you see. That it's not generation yet. We started with 40 acres, and now we're at 2,000 acres. It's sometime I wake up in the morning. How did I get here? Yeah. And a lot of people that you know, like you, you interview me, ask me, "Did you ever dream to become this size?" I told them no. I was always like like maybe 200 acres, maybe yeah. 500 acres. But when we built this 10 years ago, you know, God's blessing, it, it changed everything. Then we can go to the bigger stores, we sell more and all the stuff. And we feed a lot of people, that's the key, feeding a lot of people. It's interesting you say the more you grow, the more stores you can get into. So if you're small, you can't get those bigger contracts because they want to make sure you you have enough have enough to keep their stores going. So when you do deal with the chain and the wholesaler, you when they they, they make sure they have enough to to give to that store because mm-hmm. they cannot half a load or two pallets because it costs them a lot of money. Yeah. So and we've been very successful. Uh, we treat our customer fairly. They treat us poorly, and that's why we survive. Uh, I, my family and I, we purely like our workers. They're like family, the same people that we have for the last 30 years. Uh, I mean, it, you don't do that unless you're doing something right. Uh, you know, I, it, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but if you can ask all my buyers, it's kind of. It's almost like a, 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 if you think, if I think go back, I don't know if I can do it again. Why? I don't know. Times have changed? Time has changed and I don't even know really, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the, the years go went so fast. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it changed. But you know, on the way long, you, you get lucky. I usually don't believe in luck, but I believe on some. There's a reason why I got here. Mm-hmm. Luck is a you know it's a phrase, but it's always a reason, right? Yeah. So that's why we're here. I mean, uh, for hard workers, feeding millions and millions of people. Um, we grow a lot of tons of beds. A lot. So what should people do when they go to the, the stores? They should say, we like this Imperial's Garden stuff. 
does that get back to the buyers and whatnot? Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, from like Kroger, Walmart, they, they get a response back to us. Awesome. And it's, that's part of the say, why I do this. You know, because people that say, if you eat my corn, we like that corn from Imperials. Mm. You know, because that part of, that's why I'm doing it. That's why a lot of farmers are doing this. Because a lot of us, it's not the money. I mean, a lot of farmers are not the money. I can make more money, go work for a warehouse, hmm. just talking in the phone. Hey, Joe, how many boxes you need today? <laughs> and I call those guys a computer salespeople. Yeah. If they don't see anything in the computer, they go in the depression. <laughs> they don't know how to sell. Yeah. But I like the like one in one like this. I talk to all my buyers every morning, three, ten times a day. I go meet them. Uh, we we meet, like say, rep from Walmart, Kroger, and all the stuff. We meet them. We communicate. We we ask them what they're best for their store, what's their best for the customer. We do all that stuff, and it and that's what we're supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. kind of working each other. That's why I always say, the government should help us, the 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 retail should help us communicate with us, the wholesale communicate, and then we communicate the whole thing. If it's all those things happening, then we can pay more for these people too. Yeah. But if you have one group, once, 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 once. And nobody else wants to pay. Well, you, nobody want to pay. Yeah. It's something got to give. Yeah. It's something got to give. Yeah. And maybe my analogy is wrong, but if someone can tell me that it's, it's better, you're always welcome. My door is always open. Uh, a lot of people, they say they have 30 years experience. I'll bet you they don't even know how to grow corn. And, well, I'm not going to say name. When you go to these, a lot of conference, they never talk about how a farmer can make money. You should go to sometimes. They always talk about how I can spend my money. <laughs> so all of you farmers when you go to this conference ask those scientists or experts show me how I can make more money at the farm instead of just buying things <laughs> yep yep that seems to be the way <laughs> you, I, it, I know it <laughs> you know it right yeah. you've been around and I've been around I go to PMA I go to you know all these shows Sometimes I, I laugh because they never mention about a farmer can make any money. <laughs> and I always wonder why. Yeah. yeah. You're gobble, gambling millions of millions of money that you don't even know if you get anything. No. And we should want our farmers to make money because that's going to mean more food grown here. Yes. And then. And more workers paid more. here. And then I can say, my son and daughters they come back to the farm and make a living and their kids and their kids so give the chain but if there's no future of how to make money how can you convince the next generation I mean I talked to my congressman here locally how can you he asked me how can you keep farmers well you gotta keep the chain going Mm -hmm. it's like anything else you broke a chain you're broken True. You know, but I'm 52 years old, maybe 10 more years. Yeah, maybe I can get social security. 
well, thank you for doing it. Thank you for growing food. Deli- and I have eaten your produce. And excellent. Thank you for, for pushing forward and making it. So, like you said, you, you do it because people need to be fed. Food needs to be grown here. And I, I don't think farmers like yourself who do that and make a lot of sacrifices and do a lot of hard work, like you described, get enough thanks for that. It's not even the thanks. I mean, a lot of people ask me. I've been here for 37 years, Caleb. 37 years. I never go boating or camping in the summertime. Basically, my daughter is 26 and my son is 21 or 23. I never take them on camping Mm -hmm. or boating because I'm always working in the summertime. A lot of people don't consider that. People in America, if they do that, they think you're crazy. But that's, you ask me, that's the reason we, we do it, because you can't wait a week to pick your corn. Yeah. You lose them. Yeah. It's ready when it's ready. When it's ready, it's going to come. That's why I think the, the labor, the seasonal labor down the road, we need help. I hope anybody's listening from Olympia, we need help. Because of that seasoning thing, we have that. We need to. It don't matter cherry growers, apple growers, hop growers, us. Because you can't just say, I got to wait three weeks. You know, when you build a plane, a Boeing, you can leave it there for 10 years. It's not going to go anywhere. It's Titanic. Yeah. It don't rush. Yeah. My corn, in two days, you lose them. Yeah. It's a big difference. Yeah. I mean, if they can figure out to bring more people here in Yakima Valley to pick all this product, this agriculture thing in one time. I will praise them. Mm. People working in the field, it's hard. Yeah. Nobody want to do it. But us, we do it. Well, I really appreciate you having me out here to the farm to show me how it all works and, and talk about what's really going on in our food system. I think it's really, really important for people to hear that. So thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy and have lots of stuff going on around here, but uh, thanks for for being here on the podcast. I appreciate it. You know, we need to, uh, you know, we need to advocate farming. My neighbor, the people that started us farming, we usually don't get involved in politics and everything. But you know, like I said, I love farm. And I hate it when I see it. We lose all these farm communities. We gotta, we gotta keep going. Yeah. Um, you know, the key is I hope the government will listen to us, help us. We're still healthy. We're not broke yet. You know, mm-hmm. and do something different. That it's everybody against it. If every farmer against it, something wrong. Yeah. You know, and we're pretty independent group of people. <laughs> You know, so I mean, thank you for coming. Um, yes. I hope in the future can help this kind of conversation. Yeah, for sure. So, thank you very much. But when you're ready to pick corn for five days and you want to lose weight, you can always come. <laughs> Guaranteed five Sounds pounds, five good. pounds in five weeks. <laughs> this is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food.